Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. I'm just going to jump right in. And um, for those of you who haven't been here last week, um, I've started with a new series called In the River. But it's all about the topic of mercy and forgiveness. And, um, and last week I, I spent some time and I spoke about the river, um, the river that flows from God's throne through Jesus and into our lives. And that's called the river of mercy. But our core scripture for this series is the following. It, is, it, it, it comes from John 7 and it's, a, it's, it's quite a familiar scripture of what Jesus spoke about. He, and, and let's just read it together. It says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Now let's pause there. Do you know that the festival, have you ever been to a festival? It's quite loud. There's a lot of people, they're running over, there's stalls all over. It's a market, it's, it's a festival time. And Jesus, within that festival, within all the people running around and, and, and standing there, he steps up and with a loud voice he says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. How many of you get thirsty at, at festivals? <laughs> come on, we do. But you, you're thirsty and it's hot and Jesus took the opportunity and he stood up and said, if you are thirsty, come to me, I've got a drink for you. And then he says, well, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, then he says, rivers of living water will flow from within you. Isn't that a beautiful setting? And he, he, he speaks about a river that flows from within us. But then when you go to Revelations 22 and what I spoke on last week, it speaks about a river that runs from the throne room of God and the Lamb through Jesus, who is a mediator for us because He paid for all our sins. So the river flows from the throne of God through Jesus into our lives. And that's called the river of mercy. Mercy for our lives. You see, grace and mercy is different. Grace is something you get what you don't deserve. But mercy is keeping something from you that you deserve. So you, we deserve to die, like Jesus on a cross, but because of Jesus' mercy, it is kept from us, and we are declared free. That is mercy. Now we spoke about the power of judgment. How many of you have, have, have judged before? Or maybe, let me ask you that, how many of you felt judged before? <laughs> All of us. You've been in situations that you've done something stupid or maybe you've missed it or you, none of us are stupid, but you've done something and then people start judging you. Or just watch rugby on a Saturday and with a bunch of guys and you see the judgment coming on the rev and on this. And Come on, I mean, am I talking to someone here today? Maybe not a bunch of rugby lovers. So today I want to speak about, last week we spoke about judgment that will destroy our lives. Do you know that judgment can destroy your life? If you step into judgment and you start judging without knowing it, it destroys your life. And, and it doesn't just destroy your life. It dries up the fountains that feed this river that flows through your life. Did you realize that? Sometimes you feel dry in God. How many of you felt dry? It's like, oh, Lord, I feel so far from you. I feel so far. I don't know this or I don't. Lord, where are you when I need you? Or maybe I've gone through some stuff in my life that I feel that, Lord, you... Uh, I mean, I feel dry when I read my Bible. I feel dry when I pray. But it's because there was stuff in our lives that we have given power to that is clogging up this fountain that feeds the river. And that's what judgment do. It clogs up the fountain that feeds the river in our lives. So today I want to speak about the power of forgiveness. 
And it's not a, a one-time end. It's a two-part series or a sermon. I want to continue next week. On the, the, well, next week will be the last sermon of the series, but um, today's sermon is a part one and a part two. So I want to look at that. So I want to speak about the power of forgiveness today. But yet there is so many reasons why we still judge in our lives. Do you know that? And why forgiveness in this generation is very underrated. <laughs> it is. I don't speak to a lot of people that, that forgiveness is their first, the first thing they think about. They first want to prove themselves right. I always, when I go into marriage counseling, before I say anything to the couple, I say the following. I said, I've got one question for you. There's only one answer. Do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? Because your answer will determine if we can go on. Because if you want to be right, then we're still in trouble. But if you want to be happy, that means that you are open to change. <laughs> and when it comes to unforgiveness or forgiveness, people come like, I want to be right. But we need to make, an, make a decision every day to forgive. And it's not something we see in our generation today. It's like the story of a, of a, a wife who had a dream one night and she woke up the morning very excited. And she woke her husband and said, Hubby, man, I dreamt that you gave me a golden necklace last night. It's so amazing. What do you think it means? And he looked at her in her eyes and he said, Well, in a week or so, it's Valentine's Day. Then you will know. I mean, she was so excited. So she couldn't wait. So she had to count the days. And the night before Valentine's Day, she, she had another dream and she dreamt like uh, she, she dreamt that her husband gave her a diamond necklace. Man, she woke up that morning twice as much excited. She woke her husband and said, Hubby, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Guess what I dreamed today? I, I dreamt you gave me a, a diamond necklace. And he looked at her and he said, Honey, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. And then you will know what it means. Man, she couldn't, I mean, the next morning she woke up. She was so excited. She sat up in bed. She was ready for the package, for the necklace to be hung around her neck. And he gave her the package and she opened it. And it was a book. And the book says, how to interpret your dreams. <laughs> how many of you have been dis disappointed in life before? Come on, we all have been disappointed in life. When you have an expectation about things and then, oh no. I had a way different expectation about that. See, we need to realize that the enemy, the enemy set traps in our lives, in our lives on a daily basis to do, to do the following. For us to get to a place where we blame, where we criticize, where we judge others. That's his plan. That's what he wants us to do in our lives. But what, no, what not so many of us know is that the first thing, the number one, one of the probably most important things in our lives that opened the door to judgment is disappointment. It's the number one thing that leads us to a place where we feel, man, I'm going to judge. I'm going to tell you what I think about you. See, when people, especially people we love and people we trust, like our husband or our wives or our closest friend or maybe your parents, when they let us down, what, do, what, what happens? We get disappointed. We get hurt. How could you do that to me? 
And it's the same with people in authority positions around us, like your boss or your leader, people you really look up to. When they disappoint you, what happened in your heart? You see, it's, it's some of those true emotions that we go through on a weekly basis that people disappoint us. Situations disappoint us. Some more than others. But you usually have an expectation that, that people should not let us down or act offensively, right? I've got, a, I've got an expectation that why should pe- the person I look up to ever disappoint me? Or the person that I really believe in then do things that I never thought they would do. And there's so many stories I can tell you regarding that, that we get disappointed from people that we love the most and around us the most. Now when a person comes close to us or a person that is close to us causes that disappointment in our lives, what happens? We feel hurt. You feel hurt. You feel let down. I feel, man, I'm really let down by you. I can't believe you did that. And sometimes we feel betrayed. Ever felt betrayed in your life before? That you really trusted a friend or you really trusted your spouse or you really trusted this situation or your boss or your boss come to you and said, listen, we've got this big position opening up in a business. It is yours. I I mean, I, I can't think of anybody else. And then six weeks after that, someone else gets promoted. You feel betrayed. You feel let down. You feel hurt in your heart. But let's look at how destructive or quickly destructive this pattern can get into our lives. Can I give you uh, another drawing? You you remember my my old drawing? But I've got another drawing for you. And the drawing looks like this. And I'm going to explain this to you so I know there's a lot of things. Firstly, we get disappointed and hurt. All of us has been there. You get disappointed. And depending on the person who caused that disappointment and the frequency of that, that, that thing the frequency of the disappointment or how many it had, depending on how much you get hurt as well. So you get disappointed, but then it happens over and over and over, and now you get hurt. So that's number one. That's where we are. And the disappointment and hurt breaks our trust, and it makes us feel what? It makes us feel rejected. It makes us feel betrayed. And because you feel rejected and, and betrayed, it becomes shame in your life. So you feel shamed. I feel rejected. I feel not worthy. I feel unworthy of this. See, shame is a deep feeling of unworthiness. Or maybe you feel undervalued. Ever been in a position where you do everything and you feel undervalued? That's what happened when you're in a place of shame. That's exactly what shame does in our lives. But now, the, 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 the disappointment, the hurt, and the shame causes something, and it causes a wounded heart. Your heart started becoming wounded. You have a wounded heart, and then what happens? Trust is broken. And because of this broken trust, guess what? It leads to pain. See, disappointment and hurt leads to shame. And because you feel shameful, unwanted, unworthy, suddenly you're in a place of pain emotionally. And that's not a place we want to be in. Emotional pain, pain is our reaction is usually, you know what, you, you, what our reaction usually is when we're in a place of pain? You get angry. 
Come on, you get angry. You get angry because you're in pain. And then what do you do? You withdraw. You withdraw from people, from God, from all the relationships that you, have, what you, that you need. And even sometimes you get to a place of depression depending on the frequency of this thing that happens. And where we are at. So now you were disappointed, you were hurt. I mean, there was so much rejection. Now you're in shame. Now you're a wounded heart. And you're in pain. And then we start, guess what? We start to judge. And we start to blame. That's what happened. We start to blame that other person by criticizing them, by accusing them, by condemning them. And then this thing starts to become a cycle of hurt in our lives. And not just a cycle, but you see that everything in our lives that happens all point to one place. And that's to divide your attention from you and God. To divide you from God's presence. To divide you from the people that loves you. And that's the enemy's plan. If he can get you to a place where you're disappointed and hurt, then it will lead you to shame, it will lead you to pain, and then you will start judging and blaming people around you for this their mistake. That's where you, I mean, it was my boss's mistake that I wasn't promoted. We don't want to be separated from God. We want to be close to Him. And we want to step out of this continuous cycle of pain between families, friends, people, businesses, even nations get separated. And we see the effects of it now in the world. Now, I'm not saying that you can never be disappointed. Just hear me clearly. I'm not saying that. We are going to be disappointed. We are going to get to moments of disappointment. Even Jesus said, I think in Matthew 18, he said, it's not when or if, it's when you're going to get offended. Offense will come. Even Jesus said that. Because he knows that relationships offend each other. It's just the way it is. Now the question for us today is, what will we do with the disappointment when it comes? What will you do with the disappointment and hurt when it's at your door? What will you do? How will you react? It's not if, it's how. How will I react when I'm in that place of hurt, when, I'm, when, when my heart is wounded and I don't know what to do? Now, the good news is there is hope. And the hope is that God has given us a way out to stop the cycle of destruction in our lives, and it is called mercy. It is called mercy. And it's not just mercy. It is a powerful thing. It's the power of mercy. There's a story of the, um, that was told in the Second World War. There was a Jewish rabbi who was in Germany during the Holocaust. Now, you know that when you are a Jew... In Germany, in the Holocaust, not a good place to be. So he was a Jew who actually survived the Holocaust in Germany. And after the, the Holocaust and after the Second World War, he moved to America. Or as the war, the war was just ending, he moved to America. And he ran into a, 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 a guy there and he started telling him his story. And the guy looked at him and he said, man, you must really hate Hitler. You must really do. And the rabbi looked at him and said, no, I don't hate Hitler. I've forgiven him. And the guy looked really surprised and shocked and said, what? How can you forgive him after everything that he has done? Even us who's not Jewish can sit here today and it's like, man, I struggle with the thoughts of Hitler. And the man said, how can you forgive someone who has done so much? 
or so much evil? And the rabbi reply, replied, he said, well, I chose to forgive him because when I left Germany, I came to a new country and I've decided that I didn't want to bring Hitler with me. Mercy, forgiveness, it is a powerful thing. See, the truth is that, that we all can experience a release from bondage and judgment through one thing. That's the power of mercy and forgiveness. You can get released from that bondage and, and judgment and unforgiveness bound you. You're bound up. It, it really does. But there's still so many people and believers included, Christians. They, they choose unforgiveness instead of freedom from bondage. That's the funny thing about it. I've ran into so many people that, that loves God, that has been saved for so many years, but they've been wounded so bad. They had so much pain in their life that they refuse to forgive. They refuse. Now there's a, there's a scripture in the Bible where Peter, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Peter, <laughs> the Apostle Peter, when he was still a disciple, he came to Jesus and he asked him the following question. It says, Matthew 18, verse 21 to 22, it says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? How often should I? How many of you have thought about that? How often should I forgive him if he sins against me? Seven times? He, he thought he was generous. And seven times? And Jesus said, no, not seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven. 70 times seven. I, I mean, just think about it, the disciples. Think about the disciples. They've been walking for Jesus for a while now. It's maybe been a year or two. And, I mean, when you mix people together, there's soon to be friction. <laughs> there's soon to be frustration that I don't like how you're thinking. Can't you do this this way? I, I mean, if you look at the Chosen, um, the series The Chosen, of the relationships between the disciples. And I know they, it's just a story. It's not biblical. Nobody knows exactly what happened. But there was friction between them. And they, they must have irritated each other some of the days. So Peter, the extrovert, without thinking, he comes to Jesus again. And he just said, hey, Jesus, how, much, how many times should I forgive this man? And he thought he's generous. I said, do you think seven times is enough? Even used in a holy number. Seven, I'll, I'll forgive him seven times. And Jesus <laughs> just pulled the carpet under him and said, no, Peter, 490 times. Because 70 times seven is 490. There's no implication on the number. But he says, with that, he actually implies that there is no limit to the amount that you can forgive. So it's not about the number, okay, now I'm going to forgive you 490 times. So I've been at 200, okay, I have 290 to go. No. It just means that if somebody offends you one time to forgive them 490 times, that's a lot. So Jesus has said, there's no limit. Don't put a limit on your forgiveness, Peter. Why are you doing that? But again, we just got to love Jesus' patience with these guys. Hey, isn't that amazing? He just doesn't, he, he doesn't stop there. He's like, Peter, just 70 times 7. Now leave me alone. He goes on. And he tells a story and a whole parable to give Peter context of how important forgiveness is. Let's read it together. Verse 23 to 34. It's quite a mouthful. Well, we can read. It says, Therefore the king of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his account up to date with servants, sorry, with servants who, who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was, um, was brought 
in who owed him millions of dollars. Now, if you go to the New King James Version, it says 10,000 um, denarii. 10,000 denarii. Now, if you go back, 10,000 denarii is about 750,000 pounds of silver. 750,000 pounds of silver. If it is silver, it is calculated to $114 million. One slave, one guy, owed the king $114 million. That's not even, I mean, that's, that's over a billion rand right there. If this was, because the, they didn't say, if this was golden denarii, golden, if it was gold, it calculated to seven point, I think, four billion dollars. So we didn't know if it was gold or silver. But this was a big debt, right? This was a massive debt. So listen, let, let, let's read on. So he couldn't pay, of course, I mean, that bigger debt. So his master ordered that he be sold. Uh, sorry. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, everything he owned to pay his debt. But the man fell before his master, the king, and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave him his debt. How amazing is that? Well, it's $114 million. Let's just, I'll forgive it. It's quite a big debt to forgive. Eh? He forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant. He went there. He didn't pass him by in the street. He went there straight off. He went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. It, it ends up to about $10,000. So that, that was also a month according to a lifetime's wage. So he went to him and said to a fellow servant who owed him $1,000, and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell before him, fell down before him, and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt would be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. Many of us would be upset. I mean, that's ridiculous. I went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man and he had forgiven, the man he had forgiven, and he said, You evil servant, I forgave you that treacherous, um, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? Then the king angry, then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. It's a quite a simple story that Jesus tells. Not a true story. It's a story, a parable that Jesus tells. It is quite a sad parable, but it's so powerful. Isn't this amazing how Jesus comes? Let me, let me explain forgiveness to you, Peter. And he tells him the story of a debt that is so big that every man, any, any man's eyes would go like, oh my goodness. And he was forgiven. But then right when you've forgiven, you run to the other guy that actually owes you just a month's wage and you are unmerciful, unforgiving. You see, we see clearly, and the one thing that, that, that really got to me is that did you notice that both men go, went to jail? Both men ended up in bondage. They didn't let the other guy go free. Jesus didn't add that to the story. And of course it wasn't part because both men ended up in bondage. And that's what judgment do. 
it puts both people in bondage. See, there's so many times in the Word that we can see God as much more interested in what happens to our heart than our comfortability. Do you realize that? He's so much more interested in what happens to your heart. I don't care how much money you have, how much you do this, or how much accolades or our success. He's more interested in our hearts. Peter, I want your heart in this. I don't want you to forgive 10,000 times. I want your heart to change. So Jesus ends with this final verse, because this is not the final verse. This is verse 34. Look at verse 35. So Jesus says, that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive my, your brothers and sisters from your heart. That's quite an out scripture. See, Jesus, who endured, the, who endured the cross, who died for our sins so that we can be forgiven, that Jesus says, the same fate will come to those who do not forgive their brothers from their hearts. This is a huge wake-up call. I don't know about you. But for me, this is a wake-up call for us as Christians to know that this is serious business. That when we come to a place of offense, wounded, hurt, pain, and you start blaming, and it's that, that, that end, end of all cycle of pain and hurt, we need to step out of that cycle with mercy and forgiveness. See, we need to re realize that when we, have, when we have judgment in our hearts and do not make a choice to forgive, it actually nullifies mercy in your life. It do. It nullifies the mercy that Christ has for us. But, but maybe you said, but Henny, wait, 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 wait. How is that possible, man? Didn't Jesus pay all our debt? Didn't Jesus die on a cross so that we can be free from sin? Didn't the words, the scripture in James 2.13, remember last week that says, mercy triumphs all judgment? Mercy triumphs over judgment. Didn't you say that, Henny? Yes, I did. And all of those are true. But let's quickly look at the scripture in James 2 verse 13 that says mercy triumphs over judgment because it wasn't the whole scripture and it wasn't the whole context. Look at the A part of the scripture. It says, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Look at the Passion Translation. And remember that judgment is merciless for the one who judges without mercy. So by showing mercy, you take dominion over judgment. Isn't that powerful? So if we judge without mercy, the result for us is we will also be judged without mercy. Just like Jesus, the man of Jesus' parable, you will be judged without mercy. That's, that's a scary scripture. I don't know about you. See, the truth is that God gave. God gave His only Son. He had a lot of choices, but He gave His Son. He gave His, his only Son to die for us, for our sin, so that we could be forgiven. And we all know that this is a huge price to pay. I think when Jesus, we spoke about it in Easter, when Jesus hung on a cross, I think God's heart broke as a father. That was the toughest. It wasn't just for Jesus a tough price to pay. It was for the father a tough price to endure. Seeing his son being killed on a cross because of other people's sins. Because of my sins. Because of your sins. 
This was a huge price to pay for the father and for the son. So I can understand God's heart as a father towards anyone who judge without mercy and then come to God and still expects mercy from him. Because that's what we do sometimes. We harbor unforgiveness in our hearts and we come to church or cell group or read our Bible and we, we demand mercy from God. Lord, please forgive me. But I don't want to forgive there. See, we need to realize that, forgiveness, that the forgiveness the Father has given, that all the forgiveness the Father has given is nullified as we, uh, as we choose not to forgive others. When we choose not to forgive others in our lives, it is, it's got an effect on your life. Look at the scripture in Mark 11. And whenever you stand praying, and this is Jesus again, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Jesus said it. You see, those who truly understand how much they have been forgiven for, it will be easy for them to forgive others. If you realize how much God has forgiven us or you for everything in your life, if I think about my life and what I've done before I met God, if I think about all the nonsense that I did, all the stupid stuff I said, all the people I hurt, if I realize that how much He's forgiven me for those things, man, it is easy to forgive others. But those who think they save themselves by their good works, guess what happens? Judgment's easy for them. Because your focus is good works, not faith, not forgiveness, not what Jesus has done, it's what I do. And then suddenly I start judging others in my life. And a judgment, a judgmental attitude, you guess what happened with that? There is no understanding of God's grace from a judgmental understanding. If you have an attitude of judging people or judging churches or judging your rugby team or whatever, it's just a, a habit in your life, you will stop understanding the true grace of God in your life. And I've been there. Because you, you, you miss all the grace for you, for your life as well. You see, even the disciples realized the importance and power of forgiveness. Now, listen quickly. The disciples walked with Jesus every day. What did they do? They saw everything he did. They saw how he prayed, how he did miracles, how he prayed for that dead guy and he was raised up, how he prayed for this dead girl, and she was alive. How he raised Lazarus from the dead. How he prayed for the, the blind guy and mixed blood with spit and suddenly he saw. How he prayed for the death. How a lady touched the hem of his garment and she was healed. They witnessed everything. They saw everything in his life. Your life cannot be the same. Journeying with Jesus for three plus years. Do you... Do you Agree? Now look at the scripture. I'm almost ending with this. It says, Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns against and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. The apostle said to the Lord, 
the disciples, they said, they said, show us how to increase our faith. Isn't that amazing? From everything you can ask God, ask Him for more faith in that regard. Didn't they, I mean, couldn't the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, please give us more faith to raise the dead. Give us more faith to pray for the sick. Lord, give us more faith to have more wisdom in, in certain, certain situations. There's so many more things that I could ask for more faith. I don't know about you. Come on, man. We usually, as Christians, we go straight to the power gifts. Lord, give me more faith for the power gifts. I want to pray for the sick. I want to see the lame walk. I, want to, I mean, I, w- I don't want to see a wheelchair anymore. People need to walk and be freed. I don't want to see blind people. there. I want to pray for people and see the miracles around me. But guess what the disciples does? They said, Lord, rather give me more faith to love and forgive others. Isn't that powerful? See, if we read through the Gospels and we look at how Jesus spoke about forgiveness, He spoke about forgiveness this way before He hung on the cross. Before He hung on the cross and said, You don't know it yet, but I know the price that I will pay for you. So rather build your faith to forgive others and to love them. See, when we release mercy and let that river flow through our lives, guess what? The power of God is released. It is. When you have the, I mean, when you are entitled to to judge and you still show mercy in your life, the power of God is released through you. And it's tough. And I mean, this, this, what I'm talking about right now is not easy. It's easier to go and pray for a sick person than to truly forgive someone who hurt you, who wounded your heart. Am I talking to someone here today? You see, mercy is so powerful. Mercy is so it's incredibly powerful. And let me and, and, and I want to close with this today because I want to I want to build the foundation of what I want to start out next week with of how powerful is mercy. How many of you think about mercy of something that you do in your prayer life? But look at this. Paul comes in Romans 9, verse 15, and he quotes a scripture in Old Testament in Exodus, and he said, For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. Just look at it. God didn't say, I will curse those people I want to curse, because God doesn't curse. He's a loving God. But he still says, I will show mercy to anyone I choose. Now, if you go to the root word of that word mercy right there, and you go to the the Greek and all those things, that word mercy, mercy that he used there, The context of that word comes from the root word eleo. Eleo. And eleo means to show mercy is not a passive emotion. It's not a passive thing. That word mercy is an active desire to remove the cause of stress in someone's life. That was an active, an action word. It wasn't a passive word. That mercy says, I will show mercy to anyone I choose. God says that I have an active desire to remove the stress in your life. Isn't that amazing? See, mercy means that 
if I know that someone is judging me or there's offense in my life, there's an active, act, there's an action thing in my life that says, I need to go to him, I need to do something, I need to make a plan to make sure that there's forgiveness in this. That is mercy. It's not a, it's not a let's sit down quiet kind of thing. This is an action word. This is an active desire to say, Lord, there is an active desire in my heart to constantly make sure that I forgive, that I have mercy for people in my life. God says that, that we should show mercy and forgiveness even if people deserve our judgment. That's what makes it mercy. To have a decision to forgive although they deserve my judgment. I want to show mercy. I want to make sure that there's forgiveness in my heart, that I don't run into that cycle of destruction. I go from disappointment, hurt, to shame, to pain, to blame and judgment. And then I'm disappointed again and I'm shamed again. And there's more pain. Now there's more blame and judgment. Now I go to again disappointment. Do you remember the man who... <coughs> the man who was forgiven his debt. Both of him and his servant guy, who's, who, both of them were bound at the end of it. And when we judge, we bound ourselves and the person. It is. But when we choose to forgive in our lives, it, there is a freedom that comes. There's a freedom in our lives that said, Lord, I don't want to harbor any, any judgment in my heart. So when I'm disappointed, it is fine to be disappointed. It's okay, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to hurt, be hurt in life. Just be married. <laughs> you're, going to, you're going to learn very quickly. It is normal in our lives. But then what do we do? What happens in our hearts that we don't go to shame and pain and blame and judgment? But we handle that thing. We, we come to the Lord. I go to a friend usually. I said, man, I was really disappointed. I was really hurt in that moment. Can you pray with me? Or maybe you need to ask forgiveness. Will you forgive me? That's where your true heart is exposed in that matter. So did you go, don't go through that, that circle of destruction. And next week I want to look at the circle or the cycle of blessing. And how does the cycle of blessing look like when we show mercy? And you bring mercy into that place of disappointment and you throw mercy in there and mercy goes to grace and love and I mean it's just incredible. So Jesus has every right to judge us today for our weaknesses. Do you know that? Jesus has every right to judge you and me for our sin in our lives. But he chose to release mercy when he hung on that cross. You remember he prayed, he said, Father, forgive them for they have no idea what they're doing. I have no idea. God loves us so much. He loves you so much. He, he, he does not love when we choose to not forgive. When He gave everything so that we can be forgiven. And He's not an angry God. He's loving. He's full of mercy. He's full of grace. But He says that when you choose to not forgive, you, you walk from underneath my umbrella of mercy. I can't give you mercy. So come to me. Come close to me. Be forgiven as you forgive. Amen.
Can we stand together? I know we, I, I'm leaving you a bit high and dry, but I want to finish next week about the power of true forgiveness. How powerful it is when we choose to forgive in our lives. Can we pray? Father, we thank you this morning. Father, you are so good. Your mercy endures forever. Your grace is further than the east is from the west, Father. And Father, we come to, to you this morning. And Lord, I pray that wherever our heart has been touched by, by this message or by the scriptures or by the word, Father, it's not me. It's all your word. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will remind us and show us where we have judged and where we are harboring unforgiveness in our hearts so that we can step out of that cycle of destruction in our lives and we can step into a cycle of blessing and forgiveness. Father, I pray for our hearts this morning that we will not just say we forgive, but deep in our hearts we are harboring all this destructive stuff all this judgment and resentment. But Father, I pray that you will free us today. You will free us totally from this bondage of, of judgment and unforgiveness. And, and, and maybe you're just raising a red flag today, Father. It says, I want you to notice this. I want you to be attentive to this. To never walk into this trap to never walk into this trap, but to stay in the river. Stay in that river of mercy so that my mercy can flow through you and you can be touched. Father, I thank you this morning for your love and your goodness in our lives and that you never look at us with judgment, Father. Because you've taken out all your anger on Jesus on the cross so that we can be forgiven, Father. And we stand forgiven before you today, Father. Lord, help us so that we can be a river of mercy to others. And we'll never miss this in our lives. Can we just take a moment this morning? Maybe there's some people that you know or you feel that you need to forgive this morning. Don't you just lay them before God this morning? Just see their names. Maybe you want to whisper their names and just say, Father, I just want to speak forgiveness over them. I want to speak mercy over them. I want to release your goodness and your, and your mercy over them this morning. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.